when I was looking at just reviews, a lot of people were like, oh, it was pretentious. It was too long, too over the top. And I was, I mean, I guess anytime you're an award winner, I feel like people put you under the microscope like a little bit more as far as scrutiny. But I was surprised how many like negative things there were. I think it's just people who aren't ready to focus because it's so long. And maybe they were like not ready to, to listen for so long. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I They're like, it was too yeah. confusing. It was a weak plot, like one of the worst I ever saw. And I'm like, what? What movie did I just watch? Because I was almost crying. Oh, yeah. There, there's a few times that I was like, where this like, because, you know, it's kind of silly at times, which I enjoyed. I laughed out loud and also like shed a tear a few times. And I was like, why? What is happening? <laughs> I think <that laughs> my emotions comedic- are confused. Yeah, that comedic break was so necessary, though, because sometimes it would sort of feel like you were holding your breath for a while, especially when it, closer to the end when they're tapping into you know the big feelings between you know mother and father and father and grandfather and husband and wife when they're like a little silly thing would happen or an action scene would fly in I'd be like oh phew I don't have to think about my feelings for one second I can just watch them flip around and break the glass and go wild so I needed I needed it to be long because if they had just like pushed all the emotional things into like an hour and a half it would have been too much like it needed to have all the little action breaks for me oh yeah you're not supposed to think about it too much that's uh we'll we'll get into it but i'll just intro the show it's great to be back uh thank you jody thank you bridget uh you two joining me philip elke from georgia i'm up here in northern minnesota and uh, we're on the Thodcast today. Thodcast conversations about animation. We're talking movies. We're talking uh, Oscars uh, and the film. The very visual effects heavy and uh, deeply conceptual. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, so excited to dive into this a little bit. Uh, we'll have plenty of other things to talk about today too. We don't have to go too in depth with this movie because it is quite. A mouthful of a, <laughs> of a title and and uh you know trying to parse all this stuff yeah it's it's just not i don't think it's necessarily um you know intended to be over uh you can't overthink it that's probably a line from this film don't overthink it remember to breathe you know literally become a rock like yeah. become a rock <laughs> That was so soothing. Yeah, I'm excited to be back and I'm excited. This is the one I'm jumping in on. I I just was at Disney and had a really like lighthearted weekend. And then I came home to watch this. And I think you're right. I think I'm happy you started us out on that note because I was instantly thinking, wow, this was a heavy one. Like I haven't digested it all. Like there's so many serious tones and topics, but you're right. I mean, we don't have to go that deep because a lot of these themes are things we talk about all the time. And um, you kind of just need to like soak it in as you can. And I do think it's one where the more times you watch it, you're going to see different yeah. levels. They they cram a lot into the, I don't know how long it was. It felt like it was three and a half hours, but I really enjoyed it. I'm happy that this was my excuse to watch it. I had yeah. obviously heard about the award shows and I had friends suggesting this one as well. So now I feel caught up with the world. I would classify this as an action comedy so there's yeah some substantive uh, themes, but ultimately, like the the big 
uh, MacGuffin in this movie is uh, an everything bagel <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's cursed or whatever. Uh, it's, it's the it's the poison that is infecting the uh, multiverse. So can't really uh, fault it too much for for being a bit out there. It's you know yeah it's like Rick and Morty. It's like Ant Man, Quantum Media. Uh, it's kind of a, a couple of things that are on people's minds currently. This was produced by the Russos, uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, uh, who directed the Avengers Infinity War films. So, yeah, if this bears resemblance to a Marvel film, it's not in any way a coincidence. Uh, but, yeah, directed by Daniel Kwan, Daniel Scheinert, um, known for films like Swiss Army Man and a few others. I was going to say it reminded me of the little Spider-Man Spider-Verse, but I yeah. suppose it's just the multi-universe theme coming to mind when I was watching it. But yeah, there mm -hmm. definitely is some quirky humor. I mean, hot dog fingers, yeah. for example, one of the multiverses had hot dog fingers and I was like, all right, this is the, this is the type of humor they're going <laughs> to throw in here. Um, but it was good. Oh. Well, that, that is one thing that, uh, <laughs> stuck out to me I was like is this the only Oscar like winner that has had like the paraphernalia <laughs> that shocked me it, it really came out of nowhere though like the first time I obviously I didn't have to pause it to see what was going on but I had to do a little double take I'm like is my brain playing tricks on me because I'm tired or am I seeing what I'm seeing that was a bold decision for a weapon or you know yeah whatever uh -huh. it was being well that well, and uh, yes, because I it did that. And I was like, is that what I think it is? And it was. Um, and then when they have the fight scene in the office and they're trying to get their next jumping pad with the trophies. Oh, yes. And he has and to I sit was on like, the what? I was like, what is happening? It was like, I was like, I was like, this has to be one of those movies where they're like, we're going to give it best movie. Like, I, I can't imagine there's any other like any other movie that's won an Oscar that was like this wild and crazy. <laughs> you could tell yeah. they got a little bit slap happy when they got to make their big decisions. But I think overall, it, it really worked because I never felt sometimes I feel like scenes like that can kind of like kill it for me. I don't know. Even when I was little, I'd watch like The Lion King and when Timon and Pumbaa would like fart, I'd be like, all right, I'm out. Like, I, I just don't <laughs> always, that type of humor doesn't always work for me, but it didn't like turn me off in any type of way with the way they threw it into this one. Um, obviously, you couldn't watch it with kids, but I don't think this is ever promoted as a kid's one anyway. Yeah. Yes. A24 film. Uh, so more of a mid budget film. What was the budget? Maybe $40 million. Um, but still some pretty significant. Um, studio muscle behind this uh a24's developed a strong re reputation as a film uh production company and distributor okay uh, i mean less than 15 million budgeted <laughs> as yeah. far as the estimate here i and looked at the made, budget and it's yeah. like 14.3 to 25 million and i'm like yeah. that's a range <laughs> that's actually pretty shocking because it feels really edit heavy I guess in the sense that it looks like there's a lot of post production work that they had to do I mean with mm -hmm. those flash scenes and the fighting scenes editing those things mm -hmm. I'm surprised to hear 
that it could potentially have been 14 million because to me it, it comes across as a, quite a higher budget film mm-hmm. you know a 24 films i i mean i feel like everybody lately but i've really liked the things that they've been putting out lately ever since i saw them do like ladybird in eighth grade it's almost like they've been pumping out things that i don't want to miss i'm sure that they have but i didn't realize that this was um the the film group that brought um everything everywhere (laughs) all at once (laughs) i mean i'll probably be invoking this a few times during this podcast but the uh uh, honest trailer uh, for everything, everywhere, all at once. The they refer to A twenty four as the lifestyle brand for uh, you know film nerds, basically. <laughs> I mean, that's very true. I feel like because it it feels more like of a humble brand, I guess. Like it doesn't feel like a big giant corporation like getting ready to stuff something like repurposed down our throat I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of the things that they have brought to the table have been a little bit more unique I mean I did I think we talked about before we started recording I did see some people critique that like the storyline was like predictable and like pretentious but I didn't find it to be that way there were so many different themes constantly Mm -hmm. swirling around that you could grab onto that to me it didn't feel predictable at all like I wasn't sure where it was going to go I actually thought she might have picked a different life in the end. Yeah, I I think they pretty successfully nailed the emotional climax. You know the you know the way that they handled the preservation of the timelines and um, yeah, the emotional crux of the film um, is is ultimately why it's doing so well on the awards circuit you know it's gotten kind of a a clean sweep let's see the four major guild awards dga pga sag and the wga um so i mean let's see independent spirit awards won a ton there um bafta golden globe gosh it's uh yeah so like this was a, a strong favorite coming into the oscars but the negativity i guess the backlash you know is is partially perhaps just a reaction to i i know there are people who generally didn't care for this movie especially as much as some of the other nominees but um i think there were there was maybe a sense of resignation and and kind of um hopelessness on the part of some people uh that this was just gonna slip through but yeah, yeah I, I mean, it could yeah. be like it could be that they it maybe it just didn't resonate with them per se. Cause like I didn't think, like, of course, like the whole movie happens. And I'm, I mean, I guess as a woman who has been a daughter and a mother, mm-hmm. it's like easy to kind of relate to both of them. Cause it's like you're trying to do what's best for your kids, but like sometimes like you're not making the best decisions or you don't know what decision is the right one. You're like, oh, yeah, hopefully this works out. And I mean, and I think that everyone can kind of relate to that specifically is like, I don't know if this is what, I, what I'm doing is right. Hopefully it works out. And it's like, yeah, you might regret them later, but like you, it's like hindsight, you know, it's 2020. You don't know what's going to happen based on what you do now. Um, so I feel like it was like, like definitely relatable. Maybe some people just didn't like connect because, you know, they also have like the generational trauma and how she has like a weird relationship with her dad. And it's kind of caused her to have a weird relationship with like, her daughter and then you know just living like a normal life where it's like yeah you know i'm we're running 
business and we're doing taxes and life is hard at times. It's not always happy. And so I feel like that's like could definitely be something that most people resonate with. But I guess I could see where it could kind of fall flat with people. Yeah, it's full of these great themes. But um, I, as far as people's like preferred choice for the winner, I, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, the, it's the perhaps the overhyped nature of some of this. I do like that there. this was a, a fairly commercially successful film getting some awards attention this year, you know, winning the best picture. Um, I don't know. I was, I was really happy when Parasite won best picture. I feel like that movie got a lot of good word of mouth and performed well overall. Uh, sometimes it's just these really quiet releases that win the, the you know, the whole thing. Um, I guess uh, Green Book, I think, did pretty well. It was sort of populist in its appeal. Uh, Coda, I I never saw. I don't think that did much at the box office. Uh, like I didn't. Yeah. What was the one that won the year that was La La Land? Was it Moon Moonlight? Struck? Moonlight. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. I never watched it, and I actually had never really heard of it. And then they won, and I was like, I've never heard of this. <laughs> Or like, like I the, forgot the, about that. Remember how they thought it was sort of they like, like read it wrong, not planned. Yeah, but some people were like, "Oh, that was scripted to like bring in more viewers or this or that." But I remember that now, mm-hmm. and I have not seen that one either. But I do remember hearing about it a ton right afterwards. And actually, with with um everyone everywhere all at once, um the actor for Waymond Wong, Wang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. his um, acceptance speech for his award went pretty viral on TikTok because he had, you know, as you guys probably read, like he had taken a break from acting after being in the Goonies um, and something else, but he was more behind the scenes. And that had also piqued my interest to watch this one again because his his acceptance speech was so moving and, and just really powerful. And I was like, man, I want to see this guy in the actual movie. And I loved his character. I love a better... No, no, for lack of a better word, but like a better man, like he's not passive or submissive. <laughs> he's just like kind and like quietly proactive. And I feel like a lot of superhero movies, they start out like that, like Tobey Maguire style, but then they get like a little crazy and wild. <laughs> and he kind of maintains that like optimism and like togetherness. And I just like, he didn't really have the biggest character development. He just kind of was good and i i loved that and i loved after watching this movie i was like i want to give him a hundred awards like not even for him as a human (laughs) but for the character he played because i found him to be just wonderful in in the movie itself his character yeah ki hoi kwan is his name and so i saw i but after i watched it i actually saw his acceptance speech from his Mm -hmm. oscar and he i didn't realize that he was a refugee um he was a refugee Mm-hmm. from uh vietnam mm-hmm. him and his family when the war was happening in the like early early 70s um they split up him and his dad and some of his siblings went i think to hong kong and then his mom and his, the other siblings went to malaysia and so they got separated and then they got accepted on the refugee program to come to the u.s and so that's he ended up in california that's how he got into acting and everything um but i didn't know that he was a refugee so i was like i need to go look this up but it was crazy, though, because like what you're saying, he's like, like this wholesome guy, but he can like kind of switch it because, of course, multiple characters. And I was like, it's so interesting to see oh, him. True. 
be the different characters because like when he's like in that the universe where she they never ended up together and she's like a star and he's mm-hmm. like he's like it's so he was like so like debonair almost I was like oh I didn't know you could be <laughs> like, like this <laughs> I was like handsome. okay yeah oh it's true he but he, he like sounds the same that he did in like the Goonies it's really weird like him but grown up it's it was very strange <laughs> it reminded me it's almost like the opposite um if you guys saw don't worry darling where harry styles goes from very handsome to like like gross very like yeah <laughs> he's like yeah. grubby yeah he becomes he's like an incel guy <laughs> exactly. it's basically how they package him <laughs> and it's crazy how a little different hairstyle and i mean i'm not really sure what they do i'm sure they switch up the lighting or whatever but even then oh man that part had me really emotional too when he was like I would have, I'm going to not remember the quote exactly, but basically saying that I would have liked to, you know, explore a universe where we, we owned this failing laundromat together. And I'm yeah. just I, like, I would have, yeah. he said, I would have liked to just do laundry and taxes with you. Yes. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And that's such <laughs> a beautiful thing because I'm, I guess like still newly married, but you, you discuss the purpose of like, are we working to live are we living to work like what is the balance with all of this and I love that he through all of, for the most part through all these universes he like holds on to his goodness you're right when he's when he's an alpha he is a little bit more like hot-headed and, and crazy but you know him as a character he's pretty consistent I just loved him mm-hmm. yeah they're uh, nine years apart in age actually uh, Michelle Yeoh is is older than Kei Hui Kwan, uh, who has the yeah done so little acting since basically the Goonies. I mean, he was such a big part of my childhood, seeing him in Indiana Jones Indiana and the Temple Jones. of Doom. Yeah, and the Goonies. <laughs> I mean, just big roles in these uh, two films that came out a year apart. Uh, Indiana Jones was 84, Goonies was 85. And then just very... <laughs> Very few things like I don't know. I think he sort of gave it a, a solid try to to be an actor, but kind of gave that up as things. Yeah, he he was in Encino Man. Um, yeah, it said that of... he like struggled to find roles as an adult. Yeah. Like I guess he went from being like I guess you you couldn't get typecasted, so he was like this like you know I don't know like this kid. Well, like I the was tag along kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did a double take when I heard his voice. I was like, "What is that?" Hit, you know, he sounds like he did when he was. Uh, yeah, a he kid. sounds the exact same from Goonies. He's just like a little older, and I was like, "That's really weird." <laughs> I, I mean, I'd heard all the news, like, "Oh, uh, you know, K. Hoi Kwan." He was credited as Jonathan K. Kwan in Indiana Jones. I think they he, he got an Anglo, you know, Americanized name for some of these early films but um yeah he's making his you know triumphant return to the big screen um and he's in this little indie film called uh everything everywhere all at once and this is like bizarre sci-fi uh concept from you know, action guys who did... humor yeah well yeah, it is, it's you know, like it's, everything it's like a hong <laughs> everything, kong everything action. everywhere all at once yeah truly <laughs> Um, and he, yeah, he, uh, they fled to Hong Kong initially and then, um, he moved to, he is now, you know, a naturalized American citizen, um, of originally of Chinese descent, but he was born in Vietnam. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, what a life, um, <laughs> the, you know, and, and I'm, I know like 
you, you do Indiana Jones and the Goonies, you're set for life on the convention circuit. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm assuming he's probably been to lots of fan conventions and signed, you know, 60 million autographs and stuff. So I'm sure he's done well in that regard, you know. But he, I am sure, you know, he's he's wanted to do plenty more. Now that he's gotten his chance, I had no idea it would go this far to him being nominated for all these awards and eventually winning an Oscar. I, but, I mean, deservedly so. It was uh-huh. a, a brilliant performance. Um, it wasn't necessarily a part of the moments where I was the most emotionally affected by the film. I, I don't know, pr- pretty close. I It's hard to say, like... Is sort of the the denouement between you know the mother and daughter and their reconciliation. You know that was the most emotionally affecting for me. Um, but um, you know he did an incredible job. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I thought when, you know as soon as I saw her, I didn't her recognize role, her. I, <laughs> I was like she her. she should get the best supporting. I I'm all for it. Yeah, I love <laughs> her characters she the was best. Good though, wasn't she? she's gone um and i mean evelyn i'm i don't want to butcher her name but michelle okay yeah i'm gonna call that the character evelyn was probably the one that like i felt like i knew right off the bat so i don't know if i would say when waymond was my like most connected but i just loved the character he played so i also want to i also want to claim evelyn as my favorite oh yeah yes very I mean, I I just kind of wanted to see this movie about these two struggling business owners uh, in Simi Valley, California. It was kind of like, <laughs> you know, how how do they keep it together in this, you know, overflowing uh, laundromat with, you know, paperwork with like two and laundry. Customers, like... <laughs> yeah, well, uh, then they also I mean... have like a kid who like, I guess is a bit different than what at least Evelyn expected when she had a kid. She's like, okay, this is all different. Uh, she's a tiger, <laughs> you know, she's a stereotypical Asian tiger mom. We've seen that in a million movies, you know, turning red is a similar idea. Um, crazy rich Asians. Crazy she rich, was also yeah, the mom yeah. in crazy rich Asians, which it's so funny. So when she is like, it looks like she's going to, her daughter's leaving and she like, looks like she's going to be like, Oh, Hey, like I love you or something. And she's like, you're getting fat. Oh, yeah. Uh, so 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 one of my best friends is Korean and I swear that is their love language. Like that is how they show you that they care. Like cuz it's so many times that they're like, "Oh, that doesn't look great." Or, "Oh, you look like you're you're gaining weight." And I'm like, "Dang, like y'all are straight for the jugular." But like that's how <laughs> they like that's like how they show they care for each other. And I'm like, "That's not very nice." But and I, also... I think that's kind of like what happened. Like what she learns is that like maybe I should be a bit different or more understanding and that can be a cultural thing too because again like not to reference tiktok because then you guys are going to know how i'm spending my off time but (laughs) it was saying you know in asian countries like stores that cater to more plus-sized bodies like the store's names literally translate to things like be fat or like more (laughs) calories like the names of these stores use the word fat and i not to say that anyone should be calling their daughter fat, but I also do think like maybe the older generations like didn't use it. I think it was more like a description than an insult. Like it was just like that person's fat, that person's skinny. So sometimes I wonder about that too. But when she said that, I like audibly gasped because if my mom has said that to me, I, I mean, like I need to go to therapy anyway, but I would like need to be 
in more therapy and more of therapy because of that. <laughs> you just don't comment on women's bodies, mom. Like never. Yeah. Well, I think that's like the another like touch to like the generational drama, like trauma, but also like cultural as well. Because like her mom is much older than her. And so it's like, yeah, you don't call people fat anymore. <laughs> like you don't do that. That's not nice. You don't say you don't say that. And so I think that's kind of like another part of it is like she has to figure out like her daughter is not her. And like she was not her dad. So every everyone's lives are gonna be different. So like maybe you should like not, not say things like that. Mm-hmm. I I liked the daughter. I liked all of the daughter's outfits in all of the yes. different worlds and her makeup styles and her hairstyles. And she wears a coat that has like stuffed animals on the sleeves. <laughs> I when her her uh, name was across her forehead and hair. Yeah, and it's like, a Jobu. Yep, and there's pearls like glued to her face. I was like man that had to be a fun role to play simply for the costumes she got to wear and it got me questioning there's a series where it flashes a lot Evelyn's many 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 lives and I wanted to pause it and look at each picture because you know obviously she's a cook and she's a singer and she's a dancer or whatever but there's a part where I mean they must have taken like a hundred different pictures of her as different things and I wanted to see them all like the costuming and the makeup was very, very cool all around for this one. Yeah, I wondered if they like did editing for some of those or if they really like, you know, put her in a hundred different looks. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it was probably a little bit of a mix because even some of them looked to be like cartoon style, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, anim- pure animation. Yeah, there, there are some anim- uh, or visual effects. I mean, they literally showed up as pinatas at one yeah. point. So. Like- <laughs> <laughs> that was so crazy i mean you guys did the was the rock thing too silly or was it emotional for me emotional it was both it was like both it was like kind of funny but also kind of touching and i was like what a weird time like i'm being touched by these like they're not saying anything and it's even like the font above where you're sort of reading what they're saying and it's forcing you to read this i was like man i'm getting choked up from this like times new roman font over these rocks and when okay sorry jumping ahead but throughout the movie the husband is showing his his lightness by putting like googly eyes all over everything when the rock had google eyes mm, too good yeah she turned around and I was like yes this is what I needed but I mean and I think that's like kind of the whole point of the movie though it's like because the whole time the daughter's like nothing matters like there's so like so much of everything that nothing matters anymore and it's like no it's like what matters to you is what matters like you you make things matter mm-hmm. you create the purpose and so it could be anything yeah it can be doing laundry that's what makes life good or doing taxes which is not true it's never good but it's like doing taxes with someone you know what that's good like you know eating eating a bagel with your husband at the table in the morning not, not talking it's it's literally something so minuscule but it can mean everything and I think that's what it is it's like all these like people think that it has to be all these big sweeping moments that are like, Oh, it's so grand. It's a gesture, but it like really is like just the little things. Maybe it's just being a rock Mm -hmm. watching the sunset, nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) And the mom's like trying to apologize and, and, you know, connect and Joe boo or joy. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be, I did get a little bit confused. She's like both. Okay, yeah, but she's like, she's all like of stop, them. stop thinking. We're supposed, to, we're rocks. Just sit yeah. or something like that. And it's like, ha, mm. ha, ha, 
But Joe, Jobu is, is the virus, but you know, yeah, that's joy in this other dimension where Evelyn is this incredible scientist who discovers the multiverse and the ability to communicate across dimensions, um, the, the, the ability to tap into alternate timelines. But for whatever reason, she performs these crazy uh, inhumane experiments on her daughter. So that's kind of uh, sus that <laughs> Evelyn, well, I, I guess, you know, we see based on on the trauma of the original, you know, the uh, the prime timeline where she's the laundromat owner, you know, she's, she's already kind of cruel to her daughter. So I guess in the one where she's this super genius. She's also kind of a mad genius and then triggers, yeah, this uh, event where Joy becomes Jobu and uh, is capable of kind of uh, inhabiting any universe at will and threatens to uh, <laughs> annihilate all of reality. Well, yeah, and they kind of say that she's like experiencing everything all the time. And just kind of yeah. like can zero in. And that's kind of, I guess where Evelyn, I think that's kind of like they, what they tease to at the end is that because Evelyn made it to where she could be like her, like Joy or Jobu so that she could relate to her. Um, but in the end, cause she, she's like hearing stuff in her head, but she's choosing to be in that moment with her daughter. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, so like, she's still like, you know, she can still hear it, but she's like, purposely making sure that she's just focusing on just being there in that moment which I was like oh that's like a really neat concept because I, I wonder if like is Joy also the same way because she's like I mean they didn't destroy her at the end or does she like her mind unfracture and it's just Evelyn <laughs> hearing stuff <laughs> oh man I'm not sure what, what yeah what happened to to Jobu I, I don't know I mean uh, as far as I'm concerned it's just she was healed her trauma she, was healed she she needed to realize <laughs> that she her life could have purpose despite her having this omnipotent capability that sort of rendered her just uh, to to the point of utter nihilism um yeah she's she's like Dr Manhattan you know in uh the watchman kind of just an op omnipotent god being but as a result just tremendously bored <laughs> with everything uh, so she's zeus <laughs> yeah <laughs> so she's zeus. uh well that's kind of what um i was reading just kind of like where the daniels they got like the idea mm -hmm. and, and i guess like jobu enjoys like fracturing mind they and i know we're like we're not gonna get deep but they actually said that it's kind of um they kind of got the idea from the internet because we now have access to so much things and like so many things are um, expected of people now. Mm. So it's like, oh, you have to be amazing at everything you do and you need to be able to do everything. And you have to be a parent and also uh, like a great parent who's present, but you also need to be at work full time and making strides to always be better at work. And you need to be, you know, best friends with everyone and always up your friend's butts. And like, you, know, you have to be everything, all of these things all the time. And it's literally causing people to like fracture. It's exhausting. Mentally. Yeah. You know and it's like, it's, you can't do that. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. And I love that you say that because um, my husband was asking, oh, what are you guys going to talk about? And I said, everything, everywhere, all at once um, or every, you know, and yeah. he's like, oh, the song by Bo Burnham. And I went, what? There, <laughs> There's a song called Internet, just like you're saying. 
And he's like, yes. can I interest you in everything all of the time? Apathy is a tragedy. Boredom is a crime. And it's the song about the internet saying like, it's kind of just reading off all these crazy things that it wants to interest you in. And the whole goal is, well, I guess the goal in that song is a little different than what we learn in this movie, but that is such a true comparison is that that unlimited access, how it can, you know, kind of be a double-edged sword. Like on one hand, yes, you get this ability to see potentially what your life might've looked like here, there, everywhere, but you're right. Like it, it can fracture you. Like, I think the comparison they made was what the clay pot as you get these fissures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, the water it, leaking through. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. That's fantastic. which if you haven't watched the Bo Burnham special, I definitely recommend it. If you are, you know, above 30, cause I definitely related to it. <laughs> that was the very perfect way to like, not end COVID, but like watching that special after COVID, I was like, ah, so we all felt this creeping depression, anxiety monster. But but this, I mean, this has more of like a positive spin because like I do think at the end, like you said, she's choosing presence. She's choosing the little moments. And um, one more sidebar and then I promise I'll keep it on the movie. But you guys have heard of like the poet Sylvia Plath, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. She wrote a poem called like The Fig Tree. And it's the story of a lady who's at the bottom of a tree. And there's all these different figs and like one fig is her being a doctor and one fig is her being a stay at home mom and one fig is her being this one fig, all these different futures she could pick from. But in the poem, like the character is so overwhelmed at all these options that she ends up picking none of them and all of the figs are slowly rotting and like falling to the ground and being Mm -hmm. eaten by the crows and how it's just sometimes choosing like making a choice is existing, whether it's like the right or wrong one. Like if you don't choose, you're not living. So anyway, I I do like that theme a lot. And I I like that poem a lot because I feel like it's something as humans, we all kind of struggle with like looking back and thinking, oh, I could have done this or I should have done that. Or, you know, I'm sure you see it with your daughter. I'm sure there's times where you're like, and your son, like, oh, I could have done this. I could have done that. I want them to be like this or that. And you can't really live like that. You can't let yourself go down that rabbit hole too far. Well, yeah. And it's one of those things that you can't change it either. We're not Evelyn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For better or worse. Well, that that was Evelyn's life. She she was living this totally fragmented, starting so many different projects, but never finishing everything. It, it was a false uh, start with everything she was trying to do to the point where, you know, her marriage was falling apart and, uh, her, you know, taxes, their, the business was in jeopardy. Um yeah, it's it's uh, I I think very relatable to people who are just overwhelmed in their lives with all yeah all the I guess modern obligations that we have in in kind of this world we're all <laughs> ostensibly you know I guess gift given uh, gifted with a lot of freedoms and mm-hmm. independence. Uh, it, individual autonomy and, and sovereignty but if we don't do these certain things uh i mean i i guess we're living our lives according to sort of these obligations that get in the way of pursuing uh our our ultimate dreams uh, at times i guess the important thing is just to focus on the things that are inspiring to us empowering to us rather than have our focus be distracted by those things that that just uh 
<laughs> creep up on us and bite us in the, in the butt. Uh, it's important to have that third eye so that we can see the true uh, perspective on, on things. <laughs> Wait, does the Google eye, is that supposed to be the metaphor there when the bullet hits her forehead and it's a Google eye? Is that supposed to be the third eye? Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, well, and it's supposed cool. to be like the, the inverted bagel. So she kind of like takes the, oh, here's everything. And it, she, you know, it becomes like nihilistic. And she's like, yeah, I'm just going to get sucked into this black hole of everything because nothing matters. And when Michelle Yo has the googly eye, like I was reading about it and they were saying that it's supposed to kind of like be the inverted of the black everything bagel. That is like, you know, thing, everything does matter. Man, that is so (laughs) smart. I feel like I literally haven't even had a taste of this movie. I didn't even think about that. Huh. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, At first, I just thought it was silliness. And then I was like, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) The the bagel is black and white in the middle. And then the googly eye is uh, white and black in the middle. Yeah, it's it's the inverse. (laughs) Is there anything I'm missing from the hot dog fingers? Is there some type of symbolism there that I, I missed? I think that was just weird okay <laughs> like i saw that it was like i don't I don't even remember what they said but it was just kind of like yeah like you you can have hot dog fingers and still like you know have a normal life and have relationships <laughs> and i was like okay <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> oh gosh I, I guess it does resemble like a, a black hole or something you know that in if you compare it to astronomy the the everything bagel okay, of course yeah uh, it's called an everything bagel, but does it actually contain everything? Well, uh, Joy, well, that's what she said. Jobu yeah, tried to make that, one. <laughs> yeah, she was like, I put everything, all every feeling, thought, everything. Also, like sesame seeds and stuff. <laughs> Did you guys everything have on to it. find out why they chose a bagel when they, I mean, the directors or the writers of this script? Did anyone find out why that was the inspiration for that? A bagel? Mm. No. I well, did what, not. What There's other, still so much digging to do. Yeah, what other food item has the word everything in its name? Uh, I, oh, nothing true. I can think of I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think anything. Yeah, just an I everything think, bagel. Don't people say, like, if something is uninteresting or boring, they say it's sort of like a nothing sandwich or something? Uh, oh, I, don't know. I have heard that. My, my brain's not super fresh right now. So I'm <laughs> trying to think of all my, call upon all my idioms and adages. And, uh, no, you're you're right. That makes a lot of sense. That would be like the food, but. A nothing burden. I, I just, maybe I'm not creative enough, but that is not something I would have thought of um, for it. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's mostly for comedy. It's like pickle Rick, you know, pick a, a <laughs> ran, the most random thing you can imagine and build an entire story around. Yeah. It. What could we do with this? How could we make them different? What if we made them a pickle? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was looking up, I looked up the hot dog fingers and apparently that's just supposed to be a different universe where we evolved with hot dog fingers. And beat out the other people. You know what makes that? (laughs) I don't think there's any meaning. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of tricky when you have a movie where some things mean a lot and some things literally mean nothing. And I think it's funny because like Philip started this conversation out with like, we don't have to dig too deep. And there's probably (laughs) sections like that. That's the perfect example where we don't need to try to look for some hidden agenda or, or, you know, more to it. Um, Um, 
I guess the whole idea of the multiverse, you know, we, we brought up other examples like um, Spider Verse. You know, uh, we've got oh. across the Spider Verse coming up soon, and, oh. and I mean that original. <laughs> Why? Well, because I I said it sort of, um, you know, not not all that flatteringly. You thought I, I'm not a fan of the animated no no Spider-Man. no 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 i thought you meant like what if there was a universe where they were spiders and i was like oh my gosh how oh. awful <laughs> oh yeah that... i mean i'm sure that there was i'm not a spider girly that's not my thing yeah no he's referring to the doctor strange in the multi i i actually enjoyed doctor strange in the multiverse of madness but i mean i do enjoy I this stuff you know these realities like i i mean i'm all for like reality as just a superposition of numerous possible uh, combinations of outcomes um you know who knows to what extent you can sort of extrapolate on de- decisions you know the sliding doors um you know metaphor of like you know how how uh, uh, an alternate timeline might de- develop and diverge based on you know w- whatever outcome happens to emerge at a single point in time uh kind of like how in this film you know the jump pads are these moments in time where you have to make it just a very random decision um and so that that being one of the plot devices was certainly um one of the key you know entertainment value you know sources of entertainment value uh you know <laughs> Kwan is trying to give himself a, a paper cut and he's like it only happens when you're not trying <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, that part was hard to watch i was like come on man get done get done with this cut paper cut body horror <laughs> i mean have you guys seen black swan where she pulls at her fingernail oh yes it's a similar yes. moment for me when i was watching that i was like please be done please be probably done. A, a toenail <laughs> right because yeah she's on her toes all the time I... correct or was it a it's been a minute it's been a minute since i saw that one but well, i thought i thought she pulls a feather out oh yeah like, that's from right. under her <laughs> fingernail because she's turning into a swan oh, yeah sure. either way it's gross <laughs> yeah <I'm... laughs> thank you for reminding me <laughs> but yeah like you're yeah, saying ballet. it's sort of like it's a butterfly effect um mm. where something affects something so i guess this poses a question and do you guys think that there's other universes out there where maybe like life has formed in a different way i mean i don't think there's other ones of us doing anything like that but yeah do you ever wonder it, well it seems unlikely unlikely that there'd be one where we have hot dog fingers <laughs> but <laughs> maybe just because we thought of it then maybe it becomes real in some weird extrapolation of the imagination uh but i don't know that if that because uh, they they kind of say that this reality is not in the traditional Sort of stochastic algorithm that the their devices normally um, follow is this other weird kind of anomaly that she invents because of uh, I, what I can't remember what exactly in, in, incites her traversal into the the hot dog finger universe, but it's not through like the t- traditional jump pad means. I don't think. It's when she does, um, she doesn't hit the thing when it's green. She just keeps doing stuff and hitting the earbud when oh, it's like yellow and it shoots her into like these random universes. And they're like, yeah. no, 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 
that's wrong. Stop doing that. Yeah, that's when she gets to the hot dog place because they're like eating each other's fingers as like mating rituals. It, it was so <laughs> there's, there's ketchup coming. Yeah, out of their there's some body horror. <laughs> there, there's some. I mean, it's rated R and it earns the, yeah. the R rating. Certainly, there's some censorship. You know, creative censorship, which is unusual in movies. Typically, you know, we saw that with. Puss in Boots, where there's actual bleeps during the 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 you know some of the dialogue. Um, thank goodness there are moments here that were blurred out uh, during <laughs> these, uh, using a particularly sharp trophy as a uh, jump pad, shall we say? Yeah, that uh, whole fight scene was just a trophy. I, I cackled, I cackled the whole time. <laughs> Well, when they when you see those trophies and she's like, these are my trophies. I was like, those are going to come back later. I know it. <laughs> they're too weird all. shapes. Yes. I'm like, they're coming back. Check out paraphernalia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy comes out of nowhere and he's like, ah. I was like, no, what are you doing? Yeah, that's that was very far flung, <laughs> you know, Hong Kong action sequence. You know, they, the fact that he has this supernatural ability to target to home in on the target from midair uh and uh, and land perfectly in the correct area to trigger the uh, jump pad yeah um, well then the other guy shows up with something too and i was like what what was that i it, it was a trophy like a it, was a oh, it was a trophy it was okay. a different trophy yeah it was like a longer trophy and i was like no no <laughs> i was like is that like a a marijuana bong or something but yeah i was like it has to be some it has to be like some kind of symbol that the irs would give out trophies shaped like that uh, <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it's because that's what they do to all of us mm-hmm. <laughs> <No>. basically <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah the um yeah jump pad the multiverses the this idea of modern blockbusters relying on the multiverse uh I just the most profound point was made during honest trailer commentary video. Did did any of you watch the the commentary for the honest trailer this week? I did. Okay, because I, I did not. Sorry, um, it was too much. <laughs> that's yeah, that's totally. <laughs> the movie it, itself was a lot more than I expected. So she said it was everything. Take it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of my you know YouTube critical heroes, Spencer Gilbert from from Screen Junkies just described i think he kind of hit the nail on the head when he referred to the multiverse as this reference generating machine it was just so insightful i don't know bridget if you agree but like the amount of rpms aka references per minute that you can make if you incorporate a multiverse into your script uh, is just off the charts. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's like, oh, you know what? We wanted to include, include animation. Well, now we can have them as drawings. And like, it, it, there is definitely a lot of like fuel and like things that they can pull from when they're like, oh, yeah, everything's happening all the time, everywhere in life. Rakakuni. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, so I, so I too was at uh, Disney and Universal this weekend and I yes. rode the Ratatouille Wait ride. Wait a minute. I, I need to hear your your uh, trip reports yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we went to Universal and then we went to Epcot uh, that Friday. Yeah, Friday. Um, so we rode the Ratatouille ride, but they were like, she was like, oh yeah, it's like a raccoon in the hat and they're puppets. And they were like, do you mean Ratatouille? And I was like, hey, 
<laughs> and then they had the whole thing where it had the raccoon the, mm. in the hat. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. I was like, Pixar nod. <laughs> they actually did like, like so many nods to so many things in this movie. Yeah. It's kind of insane. Yeah. I mean, it is a little, uh, I don't want to say sus again, but yeah, sus. <laughs> uh, because of Suspish. The, the way that it, it seems like when a, a movie is able to tie together all these things or all these crossovers, all these references. <laughs> it's it it seems to be like um, the modern Hollywood version of just kind of printing money. Uh, yeah, <laughs> things like Rick and Morty, you know, I mean, even dating back to Simpsons. I mean, Simpsons was commenting on everything, you know, in within the culture. Um, the They're South predicting Park. the future. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> in just in terms of pure pop culture references too i mean um the marvel films the way that they do these crossover events that are always you know significantly uh more popular than sort of the standalone films you know that there were of course leading up to that first avengers film you know several of those um phase one mcu film iron man iron man 2 captain america hulk uh thor and like I think when they all teamed up in Avengers, that movie dwarfed the box office returns of each of those kind of preceding standalone films. So it's like this is just a formula now that we've had to kind of come to accept. And I think the fact that that this movie evokes that so heavily and and then the relationship to the producers of the Avengers, you know, the Russo brothers, um people it just gives people a bit of a bitter taste in their mouth who've just gotten sick of that formula yeah i was gonna say i wonder like i feel like at this point marvel has to like mix it up because i know my husband he will not watch any of the new shows because he's like i'm tired of having to watch a hundred things to watch one movie he's like i don't want to do it anymore Mm -hmm. like he's like overwhelmed with the amount of like i guess content which i mean i'm glad because that's what I'm doing while I'm sitting at home watching stuff. <laughs> it plays in the background. And so I'm like, they have to like kind of mix it up. Cause when they did it the first time, it was like, oh, wow, this is new. There's all these people at once. And now it's just kind of like expected. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like new anymore. But I will say, I do like that this movie, I didn't have to know any background. I didn't mm-hmm. have to watch any other movies. I didn't have to read a book, read a comic, look it up on the internet. I didn't have to do anything. I just watched the movie. I enjoyed the movie. That was it. I don't have to do anything else. (laughs) I agree. It's almost like it's refreshing now to go into something without needing a type of backstory. But I'm like you where it's sort of it's a double edged sword because my nostalgia definitely makes me commit to, you know, storylines and characters and and things like that. So I can see where there's a pull for both. Mm -hmm. But I do. I have found with Ryan, it's kind of hard to convince him to go to something that's like not connected to something he already knows like he feels comfortable going to certain movies where it's like oh this is the fifth or the sixth or the harry potter the 12th or whatever and if i will watch every harry potter (laughs) yeah but if i'm like let's go to like (laughs) dear king and it he's like well what is you know i think and it could be because like we have less time to entertain ourselves or whatever yeah. or we're just or we're a nostalgic generation who yeah knows, nostalgia that's a key word yeah, yeah they they really do pull us in and i mean disney they keep uh, reboots exactly i was gonna say disney is just the prime example of this where we see a lot a lot a lot of the upcoming things being 
remakes or redos or re-edits or sequels and I guess I don't know I don't I don't know I mean you have to kind of think about it movies are kind of still a new form of storytelling so they're they're probably just trying to navigate all this do you know what I mean if you think about for the thousands and thousands and thousands of years of stories Mm -hmm. I mean movies are still relatively I mean we're the generation that grew up with the VHSs not the one before us so I, I don't know yeah I, I can see both sides. I, I like both. I like fresh and I like known. Yeah, yeah I like both. I, I'm like, I'll watch anything if it seems interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We got that Flash movie coming up too. I was going to mention that. Um, Super Keaton. Nintendo. Super Mario oh, movie I'm, comes out I'm on the I'm excited for that. that that's going to be fun. Uh, just I'm going to take my Mario, kids. Yeah. We're gonna, I'm like, yeah, finally a movie I want to take y'all to see. <laughs> if that if that movie is good, that could be the biggest box office trial of the, of the year. I, I don't think I would be surprised if that's the number one film of 2023. Because it seems like there's a lot of like hype and anticipation for Super Mario yeah. Brothers. Uh, well, especially, especially with, with like, Super Nintendo. Yeah, the park opening. that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then uh, Florida, they're supposed to have... I know that they're building Epic Universe, the new park, um, but they want to, I think they projected Super Nintendo World being opened by 2025. So I could definitely see them even tacking on, like, if Mario does well, maybe they'll do more Mario movies, or maybe they'll do a Legend of Zelda movie. They'll start tacking on more people, more different games to, like, I guess, make into movies. Speaking of the the parks, uh, so so Bridget and Jody, you were both in Orlando just this past weekend, basically. Yeah, I guess we were uh, bumping on doors. separate <laughs> trips. Yeah, Bridget, you were like uh, is a bachelorette thing, and Jody, I don't know, you were just doing some R and R. But what um, did you go to? Both go to Magic Kingdom. I went to Magic Kingdom, and a lot of the girls that I've worked with, and and in Bridget's like entertainment field they've found their way to working at the parks as as character entertainers and the one big thing i saw there that looked so cool was they finished the tron roller coaster i I was gonna ask you in magic kingdom unfortunately like i am not disney intelligent enough to like try to figure out how to get on the wait list to get on the ride but it looks fantastic and i would say maybe a year and a half from now the three of us can bop on down there and try to ride it. But until then, I have a feeling it's going to be like three hour waits or something of the like. But mm-hmm. um, you really can't complain when you're next to Michael Mouse's house, you know, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> yeah. So we went to Epcot and I imagine with Tron being new. So we got to read the new read. We got to ride the new Guardians of the Galaxy ride, ah, which was yeah. the most fun ride I rode the whole time I was in Florida. Sorry, Universal. Sorry, Harry Potter. But uh, it was the most fun ride. It was really cool. It was like an indoor roller coaster, but it was like not what you expect. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was very, very cool. So, but you had to go through the app and you had to get in the queue at either 7 a.m. And if you miss the 7 a.m., then you have to do it by 1 a.m. And it basically puts you in a virtual queue. And then it kind of tells, it'll like update you through the day. Like, okay, your zone is like 144. We're boarding these people now. So I think we got to ride it at like, I think we got online at like five something. And we got to ride it. I think we waited for like an hour and some change, but it's because one side of the, one side of the roller coaster was not working and one side was. So we got, they finally like opened it up. Yeah. Shocking. And believe me, it's like that at Universal too. So, but we also got to ride that and we got to ride the Ratatouille ride, which was really, really fun. 
it was definitely like 3D, 4D. It felt like you were a mouse running around with Remy. The ride concept for Ratatouille is the the, the new like trackless system that they do, right? It's like uh, radar guided or whatever. I'm assuming it was like a magnet. Yeah, like it. there were no tracks. You, we were just sliding on around in a in a mouse <laughs> <laughs> what a weird world we're living yeah. in like oh i just got in a giant mouse and rode on yeah, a i just rode around fine. riding around running around with remy through a kitchen mickey and minnie's <laughs> runaway railways the same same ride uh build as well um but um have you have either of you done that one uh, hey jody jody we kind of lost audio for you yeah, it sounds like you're like in a tunnel. No. No. Uh, okay, you sound better. Oh, you, you sound better. <laughs> okay. I, I muted myself and unmuted myself, but I do think Disney has been going that route as far as trackless rides. And also when it comes to their um, animatronics, the faces more often than not have been like a screen projection, yes. which mm-hmm. I don't mind the trackless, but I do miss the old style like Pirates of the Caribbean animatronic yeah. you know it's style. very like uncanny like we did so we did the Anna we did the Anna Elsa ride that's like the water coaster thing and their faces were screens and I was like that looks really weird because it's like bodies and they're moving but then they have these flat faces that are screens and I was like that's kind of weird but mm-hmm. they have updated it since they've had oh. the second movie they've updated it to where Kristoff and Anna are singing for the first time in forever okay that wasn't there the last time i went funny the two of them get to share the nice moment now yeah i mean uh as far as like uh oh the the projected face i'm going in the weeds here but like uh (laughs) you know yeah the silicone mesh or whatever the the mask the prosthetic that they would normally put over uh audio animatronic face uh, does that exist for any of the Frozen characters or are they all screens? <laughs> um, the only the only one on the Frozen ride that was not a screen was Olaf and Spin and Marshmallow. They were like, like they were like big creature things. Um, and yeah, Olaf moved normally with a normal face and so did Spin. But everything else that were people and I guess it's because they're singing. But I'm like, I know that these are not real. They do not need to move their mouths exactly with the song. And I'm, I assume that's why they do it, so they can change it if they need to. I will send you guys a super cool example of the way they can use these projectors better. I saw like a, the new Snow White ride. I think it might be Shanghai, um, where they use a projector and it's an animatronic. And I will send you guys it um, via text when we're all done here or, or through Facebook, because there are ways to utilize old school and new school and make it sort of like I don't know the the best of both worlds because sometimes I do think these not just Disney but a lot of places lean really heavily on like the newest technology and this and that but it, it does take away for some reason and I don't know if it's because we're getting old <laughs> or or if it just feels kind of cheap to have a screen I don't know but I'm sure did, yeah um, I'm sure it'll improve yeah, I was going to say they did redo the mummy since the last time I've been there. And apparently they just updated the um, some of the graphics, but it wasn't to the point where it was like, 
And I think they also updated some of the track and stuff too. And apparently also updated the queue lines, but I don't believe that because it was still like an hour, but they, um, they redid some of the graphics there, but it was still like how the ride has always been, which I appreciate. Cause I was nervous and they're like, Oh, we're going to update it. We're going to change it. And I was like, please don't make it the new mummy because the new mummy was not good. Oh, yeah. And so they okay. didn't. So you guys would be glad to know it still has Brendan Fraser. Yeah. The, the OG, the one that we love. Um, <laughs> Didn't so, he recently win a bunch of awards as well? He no. got an Oscar for the whale. Yes. I have not seen that, but I remember I haven't either. Also, like with the news of everything everywhere all at once. Um I remember yeah. hearing that he won something as well. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, he got he, best actor. Yeah, the only actor winner who wasn't in uh everything everywhere all at once. Uh um yeah, I'm trying to find here uh Brennan. Oh, yeah. Well, I know. So I haven't watched The Whale just because I heard it's like a it's heavy. Mm-hmm. It is a heavy like theme, but it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like there's like trauma. There's like some generational trauma, like between like between him and his daughter because he's like really, really heavy. And there's like some drama there. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to watch that. Like I was fine with everything everywhere all at once because it's like lighthearted with some deep theme i'm like i don't know if i want to watch a whole movie that's deep theme i'm about hmm. to watch the whale actually i have it in the queue um so i'm i'm excited to check it out but it it is interesting these are all first time oscar winners so major mm-hmm. kudos uh i know i didn't watch it and then i like looked it up and i was like oh yay i was like good for them because i feel like they're all like people who deserve an award I'm like, yeah, I, I appreciate this. Which I did see some people thought that the daughter, um, Joy, the actress yeah. who played Joy, uh, should Stephanie, have gotten supporting Stephanie, Stephanie Sue. Shu or Sue. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They thought, I guess she was also up for best supporting. And yeah. a lot of people thought she should have gotten it over Jamie Lee Curtis. Which I was like, I could see. Like, I mean, she had a lot going on in that movie, too. Mm-hmm. But did, did oh, say, okay, okay. So apparently, Aquafina was supposed to be Joy. Aquafina. Huh. Aquafina. She's the one who's the voice of the dragon. And oh, yeah. um Raya. Sifu. Araya. Oh, or Sifu. Sisu. Yeah, Sisu. Sisu. Yeah. I was like, I don't remember the dragon's name. Um, <laughs> but I do remember Raya. All Apparently, right. Aquafina was supposed huh. to be Joy, which I was like, interesting choice. But apparently she was like signed and everything, but had to drop mm. out due to scheduling conflicts. And I was like, how like different of a movie would it have been if Joy was Aquafina and not Stephanie? Interesting. Yeah, it is always hard to imagine looking back. I remember with the movie Grease, they talked about there was a different man in the candidacy, the candidacy. Oh my gosh, are we coming into <laughs> politics? Um, there was a different man in the running to play Danny Zuko. And I remember hearing that it was the guy who was on, um, oh man, if I knew it, I did not know we'd be talking about this tonight, but Happy Days. He was kind of the oh. greaser in Happy Days. Oh, yeah. Uh, and oh, he was supposed was to be. Was he not Danny. too old? He turned it down because he didn't want to be like only playing the guy in the leather jacket. Like he didn't yeah. want that same vibe. I mean, that's the story I heard anyway. It's Henry, Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler. How yeah. do you know that? The Fonz. I, I looked it up. Oh, okay. I looked it up. I but yeah, heard... he was the Fonz. Okay. I couldn't but, think of his name. <laughs> but like, I had heard that he had turned it down because he didn't want to be typecast. Um, and anyway, ever since then, it is weird to think about had someone, like I think of all the time for Elsa 
had Adina Menzel not voiced Elsa, would she have still been? I feel like it's the voice that pulled the kids in. Honestly, I feel like Adina Menzel like hypnotized all those little kids, and and that's how they got so obsessed with Frozen. But oh, same, yeah. I always wonder that she's actually she's a siren. She uh, she sucked us in. I'm, no, I'm serious. Yeah. I I don't think it's the story. I don't think it's the I don't think it's the movie at all. I literally think it's her voice that connected with children. So anyway, what I'm saying is mm. sometimes you do wonder like, oh, what if this person had, but you know what? You can't, we don't, we don't live in a multiverse, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but I do wonder sometimes. Well, yeah. So John Travolta uh, apparently had been Gree. He had been doing Grease. Um, he was Duty, the character Duty, which was like the youngest greaser guy. Huh. Um, so when it came out that they were going to do a movie, he was like, Oh, like I guess he was doing the stage performance. Um, huh. And so he was like, oh, he was like, I'm going to audition. And he got, uh, he got um, Danny. And I was oh. like, huh. So, so he was I already familiar have, with it. I might it. have heard a fake version of it, but for some reason that, that's. Well, no, no, no. Henry Winkler was, um, when I, I looked it up when you said that, Henry Winkler was offered the role, but he was like, no, I've been doing this for, you know, the last like 10 years or whatever. I'm good. I wonder if he regrets that. I mean, it's Greece. Oh, Jeez. I don't think so. Like you he know, ended up doing so many things. I doubt yeah. it. Bridget, it's Greece. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't say much. I did Greece <laughs> in high school, so. <laughs> so you would have turned the role down. You would have been like, "Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to perform in the same thing twice." <laughs> I mean, I would take anything they give me. So. <laughs> <laughs> same girl. I'll be like, yes, whatever you want. Who do you want me to be? Yes, I'll be whomever. Yeah, who know it probably wouldn't have turned out the same. You know, it would have been a diverging timeline. Interesting here. If you are uh, hungry for more, everything, everywhere, all at once, then you should probably check out this new show that's on Disney Plus, uh, premiering May twenty fourth, twenty twenty three, called American Born Chinese. I saw uh, that. Yeah, because <laughs> Kei Hoi Kwan is in it. And Stephanie Sue and mm-hmm. Michelle Yeoh and James Hong. It's like a total reunion of the main cast of everything, everywhere, all at once. Like this image uh, on the splash page here is a person doing, a, you know, a, it's like the multi-armed Hindu deity pose. Michelle Yeoh, she's yeah, she's got like these magical powers that she's uh, unleashing <laughs> in this in this trailer. So uh, it, it looks very similar, I guess, kind of an action comedy uh, series coming to Disney Plus. Uh, a question: Did you guys watch Glee? The oh, show the first Glee. Season, I've never yeah. seen it. Never seen it. Okay, so the guy who is Chad with the raccoon in his hat. He's from Glee, um, and oh he's also Chinese. Yeah, you're so smart. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he was the guy who dated Tina. Well, these I, are the, I guess you didn't these see are the connections I need on a podcast. This is the content <laughs> people are looking for. Truly, we need to put this clip at the beginning of the episode and hook them. Ch- wow, Chad you're was so in right. Glee. <laughs> yes. No. Well, it's funny because when they were like, Chad's over there, like doing the thing on the table and you can see the raccoon tail hanging out and he turned around and I was like, he's from Glee. I know who that is. And Godfrey was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, he's from Glee. What a satisfying feeling. 
Yeah, I watched every season of that. So I'm very much apparently he was also in Crazy. Oh, he's going to be in the spinoff of Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, he was in the. Did you guys watch Crazy Rich Asians? I have seen it. I've I saw it once on a plane, which hardly Mm -hmm. counts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I need to watch it now. I've heard it's good. I heard it's funny, but I'm like, man, I watched this one first. Fun. Um. Yeah, I I guess that's pretty much the uh, extent of all we necessarily have to cover today. Yeah, you let the... us off easy. You said we could just go lightly yeah. through it. Yeah. Um, oh wait, I mean, Jenny Slate was in it. Yeah, yeah, she. She was flings in... her dog. <laughs> that was another very realistic aspect to whatever universe it was. That <laughs> yeah, isn't she the she voice is. of Marcel the Shell with shoes on? She, she's in it. Uh, is does she play Marcel? I think she's or... the voice. Okay, I could I, be wrong. I need to see it. Uh, you know, I have my um Showtime trial that I used to watch everything everywhere all at once. That uh, <laughs> I could then move straight to. Uh, Marcel Michelle. Yeah, she so. was the voice of Marcel. Oh no way. Um yeah. yeah, she's whipping this uh Pomeranian or something. Yeah. Well, it was okay. a Pomeranian. <laughs> she, she was the voice of the Pomeranian in The Secret Life of Pets. So that's interesting. Gidget, uh, if any of you have seen those films. Um yeah, well, she was also in Venom. Oh yeah. And she's also in Parks and Rec. She's the money, please. Who was the daughter? Her uh, dad was Henry Winkler in Parks okay. and Rec. BTW. Nice. I, I I know so many connections now with Henry Winkler. I, I can't I can't stop. <laughs> yeah, I so I mean I like the the moments the mom you know reconciling with the and you know the the daughter standing up for herself was mm-hmm. very powerful for me. Um, you know, joy like just you know there's so much weighing on these people after the the years of kind of lack of connection amongst mm-hmm. these generations and uh and then finally kind of just stating some hard realities uh and and just opening up to each other you know it's, it's just uh, so healing for people to do ultimately and um you know the fact that Michelle, you know, uh, Evelyn really probably never got a chance to do that with her parents. Um, I mean, her father's still alive, but he's mm-hmm. he's pretty much uh, on his way out at his age. You know, James Hong, God bless him. He's uh, you know a national treasure, and I hope you know he's got quite a few years left. But obviously, cast to portray a, a very you know elderly gentleman oh. here. Yeah, he just turned uh, 94 last month. Yeah, yeah. From uh, uh, Wendell and Wilde. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, uh, you know, the voice of uh, Poe's father and the uh, Kung Fu Panda films and all those. Um, yeah, so just the, and and the, you know, them as rocks just sitting on the cliff sides, like most reality has actually ended up this way. Most versions of Earth you know, never had the conditions that were right for life to form. And, and now they're just occupying these um, inanimate objects. Uh, and, and I actually find that kind of fun. It's it's like the idea that these objects themselves have have a form of consciousness, which I... Yeah, not going to lie. Intent a, rocks. Yeah, it's a pretty tempting existence sometimes. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. It's an actual thing within like paranormal esp 
kind of circles that they call it psychometry that you can sort of glean information from just everyday objects or even like inhabit the consciousness of a, an ordinary object. Um, you, you maybe do this in order to uh, say you have a car that you really like and you give this car lots of love. Well, it's, it's less likely to break down now that you've, you're, uh, you know, putting all this care and energy into it. Um, you know, if you, <laughs> it's like, yeah, your car's it's failing to start when you turn the ignition. Uh, and then you, you basically are like, come on, come on. And then it starts, you know, it's, that's um it's like you have a there is a sort of consciousness that extends into these things um the rock has a spirit you know pocahontas and uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> listen, listen to the wisdom of the the colors of the wind um but when, and that when we were talking about uh gong gong the dad the grandpa um i thought it was i thought it was interesting that it's like she initially is like, hey, this is Becky, her good friend. And, you know, she gets upset because she's like, what the heck? You know, it's not that. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like her not accepting it. But mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. In a way, because she thought he wouldn't accept it. But then she's like, you know what? I'm going to show him because, of course, he didn't accept her choices. And so, she, you know, she had to get past that. But then at the end, she's like, you know what? This is Becky, her girlfriend. And he's just like, oh, OK, girlfriend. And it's like, look at us. Aww. We're all growing as people. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, yeah. They're not dancing around. Exactly. The candor. Finally, you know, like I'm just I'm not going to sugarcoat this thing. Yeah. A, a great catharsis, really, um, because, yeah, if, if we aren't willing to take a, a stand in life, you know, we'll just end up kind of in the most mediocre existence possible. Uh, yeah, you'll end up in the IRS office. <laughs> oh, these... gosh. <laughs> in <laughs> purgatory. Clutter <laughs> hoarder uh, house that they have, you know. Um, and the uh, uh, the life that Evelyn has, It's I think it's funny how this this other life she jumps to where she's at like the movie premiere. It's, it's just basically Michelle Yeoh's life and she knows, <laughs> you know, martial arts. Uh, she She didn't choose to pursue relationship with uh with Waymond ultimately but it is is kind of funny that this is basically oh Evelyn is she's just Michelle Yo as <laughs> as she exists yeah. but I thought that was a they fun use, like her on. own footage yeah yeah, yeah. Like, here you go here's her being a celebrity yeah <laughs> normally <laughs> um so a, a great kind of nod to you know the um the real world so this movie kind of covers all it covers like the most fantastical, you know, the crazy uh, body horror of the sausage fingers that I guess <laughs> if you break the skin, uh, ketchup, and, ketchup mustard. and mustard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's just. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do they grow back? That's what I wondered. I'm like, they're like eating each other's fingers. Is that is that normal? Are you just done now? You don't you have short fingers now? There's that like classic movie they're watching, like The King and I or whatever it is, and they've got the sausage fingers, and they're just yeah. Oh. But my husband was like, "Is this The King and I?" And I was like, "Well, I think in The King and I, the guy's Asian and the girl's white." But it's, I, I was it, like, yeah, "I think maybe it's a variation." <laughs> it was film, you know that yeah. Those uh, actors in the you know it's supposed to look like it's a classic movie shot in the 50s or 60s, but mm-hmm. it's uh, you know shot for this film because they have them made up to look 
normal in in the are they gonna have hot dog fingers but then yeah they make them up to have the hot dog (laughs) fingers later on yeah well i think that was another thing when she like jumps when she like jumps and sees like how fantastic her life could have been and all this stuff and she comes back to regular waymond and she's like oh man like my life was so awesome if i didn't marry you but then when she like goes back and she like has that conversation with him and they're like he's like yeah like we don't have a daughter like it would have been nice like spend life together but you know we're just on our own doing our own thing now and she's like i think that's like she kind of realizes that like maybe she's like kind of taking it for granted mm-hmm. that it's like yeah your life might may not be the most exciting but like you have someone to spend your life with who like loves you so well yeah you gotta do this... the mundane things together too it, it was the most you know mon- seemingly like mundane purposeless existence to the point that this alternate you know the alpha wayman says you know, this this universe that I've jumped to to find you in order to save the multiverse is the the perfect uh, convergence point for all of the variations of Evelyn's life, because this was the one where all of those things sort of started, but were immediately abandoned. Basically, it, it had the most potential, yeah. but but it was just all these things were aborted at the first opportunity unfortunately yeah he's like you're good at nothing so therefore you'll be great <laughs> i guess uh you're you're only be the worst when one of the options is wrong yeah uh, try try uh, muting yourself again and yeah mute mute you're in a tunnel again <laughs> okay say that again how could she be the worst if one of her uh yeah same same issues happening i i I can make out what she's saying she said why would you choose anything else then you could be a rock one of your options is a rock what i said was it not what you said no i said (laughs) why (laughs) i said why would he say that she this is literally her worst self Uh. if one of the options was a rock like he's saying this Evelyn is worse than Rock Evelyn. Like it no wasn't way. the worst. It was just the most she's, mediocre. She's being the best rock. Yeah, she's being the <laughs> best rock she can be. Okay. She found a way to roll right <laughs> off that cliff and have the time of the town. I know. I like when she was like, do, do you guys remember when all of the Evelyn scream and the urn of the dead Evelyn screams? <laughs> Did you guys catch that? Yeah. it's the the psychometry yeah, they're all yeah. Yeah, yeah they're all screaming yeah. and it's like flashing through them all and the urn is screaming in one of the flashes and i was like oh, what yeah the the take turning of this mundane life and giving it purpose was was really effective um so that was just a great lesson yeah the the whole she had devolved into a life of kind of meaninglessness and nihilism herself, Evelyn did. And um, her resolving that was what you know ultimately resolved this infection of the entire uh, you know cosmic existence. Um, and and that's kind of what it can feel like for people. I, I guess, yeah, there were moments of like, pure you know basically like she's connecting with her other existences and it's it's orgasmic for her because she's finding this uh 
I guess, this ultimate meaning that's greater than herself. Um, I don't know. That's... Yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can get it though. Cause you know, like sometimes you just get kind of stuck in a rut of like going through the motions and you're just like, you know, just doing like autopiloting sometimes. So I'm like, I, I definitely see how, you know, you could get kind of stuck in that and become kind of nihilistic you kind of have to find yourself. I'm like, I'm like, you know, we're not going to go deep on this, but I'm like, man, is this, this is also about depression. <laughs> oh, for yeah. sure. And like, for sure. And everything. Oh, yeah. absolutely. All the illness, all the illness. I, I blame me. I can talk about starting things and not finishing them. I got you. Well, yeah. <laughs> I feel you, Evelyn. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap this up, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it is weird. Like how, yeah, I guess just the more hopeless thing, hopeless, uh, you, you find yourself like, um, the less uh, clearly, you know, the, the less you're likely to be able to even recall a time when you felt satisfied and when you felt, uh, like you had kind of a, a purpose in life. So yeah, sometimes you know. just gotta be a rock. Sometimes <laughs> you just be a rock. Maybe that, right. Yeah. Maybe remember the rock is, is a good, uh, <laughs> motto to have. Um, so yeah, um, I don't know anything else you guys that you wanted to, that we missed. Um, otherwise, I don't think so. I, I think we we lightly scratched the surface in just the perfect way. Yeah, ten out of ten. Go watch it if you haven't. Yeah, I'd say eight out of ten because I it was a lot. But yeah, agree. <laughs> but eight out well, of ten, like you need energy to watch it. Like you need to have a minute. I I wanted to start like a a running gag on the show of like just throw it a 10 on imdb because you know people spam the imdb ratings anyways with like That's ones what I and said <laughs> when we kicked this off i saw so many random one two reviews yeah. on so that's it. what any movie you're gonna see that you know yeah Lame. i mean i can't even get my mom to watch this movie because she was like oh it's a sci-fi i don't like sci-fi what? and i was like woman it's more than a sci-fi movie you need to watch it she'll watch it eventually but she's she's not a sci-fi girl. But I'm like, girl, it's so much more. You need to watch it. <laughs> throw throw it a ten on IMDb if you so desire. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, the I was gonna say Jobu. I thought you know the, the alter ego of the Alpha Joy. Um, I thought might be some kind of Asian deity. It's actually a like a possibly a reference to the movie major league where the actor dennis haysbert is like this haitian immigrant who uh <laughs> has this voodoo statue in his locker <laughs> and the the voodoo statue's name is jobu so so maybe that's uh what that's supposed to be maybe the the directors the daniels are uh daniel kwan and daniel uh Shiger. uh what was it Steinert. Maybe they're fans of the film Major League from 1989. Oh, there was also, um, a, yeah, there was an Easter egg to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as well. Okay. Um, when they when she's looking for the tag for the girl's shirts, there's one that says zero four two, and apparently that's the answer to the the universe question in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, yeah. little yeah. nod. Well, another baseball reference. Yeah, because that was Jackie Robinson's number. So the integration of Major League Baseball is the uh, the key to all of existence. Yeah, <laughs> baseball, that is the answer. That is what we yeah. all need to be doing. 
<laughs> Don't one, tell that to Ryan. The one constant in the universe. As uh, Jody's like, no. James <laughs> Earl Jones in uh, Field of Dreams, the one constant in the universe. Baseball. Uh, <clears throat> anyways. Uh, well, thank you guys. Thank you so much, Jody. Thank you, Bridget. Uh, apologies for my usual long windedness. I know I said we ought to keep it light, but uh, this was just too fun. Uh, I, I knew this would be a fun one to discuss as soon as I watched it. So I'm, I'm glad you both were, were willing to come and chat. Um, so yeah, what uh, any any social media you want to share on air, Jody? Um, the only place I've been lately is TikTok, like I referenced 100,000 times in this episode. <laughs> but if you made it this far, I mean, you might as well follow me. And it's Jody J-O-D-I, Pulaski, P-O-L-A-S-K-Y, 47. And I just post, I post princess content. So come on over. Wow. If it would have been 42, that would have been perfect. What? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a long night, long night. Bridget, uh, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's Bridget. That's bridge with a T five, two, four, six. So cute. Thank you. And uh, yeah, Thoughtcast can be found uh, on our website, thoughtcast.com at Thoughtcast on Twitter and Instagram, uh, streaming all over the place on various podcasting platforms. And you find me at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, well, this, yeah, this was a fun one. Oscars, uh, congrats to... Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio for the best animated feature win. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I uh, wanted to echo his sentiment upon his uh, acceptance speech that animation is cinema. I know the film we're discussing today isn't technically an animated film, but it uh, it has the look and feel of, of something of that sort. Um, it's every bit as imaginative and visually exciting as uh, as any animated film could be so uh thank you once again uh listening to the thoughtcast uh, thank you bridget and jody uh this was everything everywhere all at once uh directed by daniel kwan and daniel Scheinert. we'll uh, hopefully return soon with some great uh new offerings and perhaps some throwbacks as well uh, we got to deliver those RPMs, those references per minute, uh, the currency of the modern movie review podcast. Uh, so uh, for you guys, Bridget and Jody, uh, this has been Philip Elke of The Thoughtcast, conversations about animation. You all have a wonderful week. You all have a magical day wherever you are. Warm hugs.